Welcome to The City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. The last couple Sundays, I've been reading kind of lengthier passages in the book of Nehemiah. We're on a series called Rebuild. And, uh, and this is what we've been talking on is just this person, Nehemiah, and kind of give you a quick recap. Both parts are in the podcast if you have missed it. But essentially, this man, Nehemiah, is in Babylonian captivity. Here's word that his home city of Jerusalem has been burned down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. He hears the word. He is confronted by the feelings of agony and anguish that he feels like he needs to do something. And so he, he responds to this bad news with, yes, his feelings, but more so with his faith. And he goes directly to God, and, and we've unpacked the implications of all of that. And we talked about his job as cupbearer to the king, and that gave him access to the king. The king is now releasing him to make the journey back to Jerusalem to rebuild his city walls. That's where we're at. So I've been reading lengthier passages of the book of Nehemiah the last two weeks, but today I just want to read you one verse that's just tucked into Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. And you don't need to turn there because I'm literally just going to read it real fast. It's one verse, but this is going to be our foundation for this morning. And uh, I pray that as soon as I read it, you're able to even begin to kind of trace where, where we're going for this morning. And uh, as I was writing this, this message this week, um, I was reminded of a couple things that, you know, this may step on a couple of uh, toes, but that's okay. And this may bring us some correction, and that's okay too, because I think that this is a word that we need. Amen? Amen. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10, my version says, When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And you'd be like, what, what's going on? I'm going to read that one more time, all right? When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, this is all the stuff that's happened. Nehemiah wants to rebuild the walls. They were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. The word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. Thank you for this time of worship. God, we just pray that your word would come forth powerfully. We give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. You're worthy of it, God. Thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. What a joy it was to wake up this morning, come to your house. Father, the sun shining, the fresh breath in, in our lungs, God. Um, and Lord, we thank you that you gave us another day to live. And so we want to make today count. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. You know a moment I can't stand, or this just kind of bugs me, and I'm sure a lot of you have felt this way. When you're in a, a social setting, and someone says something to you, and you didn't understand the first time someone said it, and so you ask for them to repeat what they just said, and so they repeat what they just said, and you still don't understand what they said. Anybody hate that? This happens a lot of times after church when the musicians are going hard, and someone's talking to you like this close to your face, and they're saying something, and you still can't understand it, and so you're, you kind of make the sign. Let's just go to the lobby, because it's, it's way too loud in here. This happens all the time. It happens at parties. Someone says something, and you didn't catch it, so they say it a second time, and you didn't catch it, and so you have kind of three... People have three sort of responses. Either you are very bold and ask them to repeat it a third or fourth time, have you ever done this like four times and you're still asking them to repeat? All right, we're, like I really am not, I know big ears, very fooling, I can't hear you still. 
or you respond to what you think they said. So you're over there saying yes, and they're asking you about, I don't know, something that's completely off from that. Have you ever done that? You just start answering whatever it is. The, the, in faith, you're speaking things that are not as though they were. Like, you're just speaking it out. Yes, and it's not even a question. And, uh, or, this is a very typical one, you just smile and nod. Anybody ever smiled and nodded? You're just like, yeah. Or, or you throw out the word like, that's crazy. You, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's, that's crazy. Talking about their mom that's in the house. That's crazy. That's wild. Talking about they need help. Yo, I'm broke. That, that's crazy. That's, that's crazy. You just smile and that's crazy. And, and, but it's, it's awful. Like, to, to be heard, but to not be understood. I hear you, but I don't understand you. I hear that sounds are proceeding from your mouth, but I can't make sense of it because I can't under, it, it showed me that there's a danger in human communication is that a lot of times people will hear something about you, but they don't understand the context of what they heard about you. They will, have you ever had, the, anybody ever met those people that all they say is, I heard? I heard? Who's your informant? that you have heard all these things. I haven't even told anybody, and you heard. You're giving them information about your life that you swear, they're, they're, they're more knowledgeable than Facebook ads. You know Facebook ads are able to put an ad out for what you've thought about? Think about luggage, everyone's gonna receive a luggage ad. These people are smarter than those ads. They know that you're sick before you're ever sick, I heard. No you didn't, I just got a cough just now. Now I heard. You didn't hear nothing. You're making stuff up. That's what you're doing. I heard. You know what? Nehemiah chapter 2, two people, Sambalot and Tobiah, they heard. You know what's crazy about the people that heard? Is that there's always somebody standing in between that told them. Is that the information that they heard didn't come from you. They heard. Wait, did Nehemiah tell you? No, someone else told me. So chances are what people heard is inaccurate information. Twisted by the perspective of the informant that gave them the information. What I question is, what is the motive of the middleman? I'm not mad that you heard. I'm mad that the person in the middle told. Don't get quiet on me. I, I heard. What'd you hear? Oh, I heard everything that's going on. I know all the scoop. I know all, what's the, what's the word people say? The tea. I know all the tea. I never understood that, that expression, what the kids are saying these days. Uh, I got, what did you hear exactly? If you're not close enough to me to have heard it from me, that means that you are far away enough to not have been part of the decision that I made, that you heard through a middleman. Sanballat, I was gonna title this message, those that heard are the haters, but that's too long of a title. And, and I don't believe in haters, because I think nine times out of 10 people that say, shout out to my haters, don't have any. 
So I wasn't going to title it something very misleading. I wanted to just kind of go off this idea two, twofold. Not everything that you heard is an accurate representation of what's actually happening. Because the person that informed you is adding their bias to somebody else's story. I think, check this, I think everybody has the right to tell their own story. Right? I think everybody has the right to tell their own perspective. And I think everybody has the right to have everybody else butt out of their business. I told you I was going to step on toes, so I came down here to ease the pain. This is good. I think everybody has the, not everything that you heard is an accurate representation of how things actually are. Nine times out of 10, again, I'm making broad generalities because I have 30 minutes, is this, is that people that heard begin making assumptions about stories that they heard. You know what we love to do? Fill in the blanks. You know what, I prefer true or false. Is this true? Or is this false? I don't like to fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks, we, what we end up doing is adding our piece to other people's story. What we, and what we do is, check this, is that we end up adding our own bias about the person to the thing that we heard about the person. And then you know what we like to do? Get up on our soapbox and be like, oh, I, I, I saw that coming. Oh, I, I, knew that that was, I knew that was about to happen. I could have spotted that a mile away. All of a sudden, we act like we're detectives who have our detective notebook out. Shout out to Clue. No, not Clue. Blue's Clues. And we're keeping notes of everybody's business. And here's the thing. Sanballat and Tobiah heard that Nehemiah was making moves and they didn't like it. There are some people in your life that will only be for you as long as you make no waves. There are some, I told you it's going to step on toes, so let's step. There are some people that like you because you don't disturb them. The minute you start stepping into your purpose, All of a sudden, Sanballat and Tobiah come out the woodwork, all upset. It's like, wait, where was Sanballat and Tobiah when everything was going down? I don't need people that step out as soon as I start stepping into my purpose. I need people in my life that were with me when I was searching for my purpose. I don't need people to come out the woodwork and be like, who do you think you are as soon as I start feeling called? I need people that are going to stand with me in the gap when I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm called to. I don't need folks coming in my life being like, who does Shane think he is? No, I need people to be in my life when I didn't know who Shane was. Who does Shane think he is? That was the problem is that Shane didn't know who he was. Thank you for calling out the obvious. There are some people that are for you. As long as you make zero impact. The moment you begin stepping into your purpose is the moment that all of a sudden these people come out of nowhere trying to add their two cents. 
I knew you'd like this message once I got to this point. But they're not haters. They're part of what it means to be called. Stop identifying people that are part of the resistance as haters. They are stepping stones. Oh, shout out to my haters. No, shout out to everybody that God is using to make me better. Shout out to everybody that thought I couldn't. Look at me now. Come on, you gotta, you gotta know God puts nobody in your life for no reason. Even the so-called haters. So-called. Yo, Sanballat and Tobiah blow my mind. Because, hold on, who are you? Who named you, number one? Like, Sanballat and Tobiah step out in chapter. Because the whole thing, chapter one, bad news, prayer, worship, God, you're awesome. Chapter two, going to the king, getting released into his purpose. Verse 10, two random dudes step out in verse 10, Sanballat and Tobiah. You know what my question is? Where were y'all? Where were y'all in chapter one when I was praying? Where were y'all in chapter one when I was worshiping? Come on, you got to start asking that question about the, where were you when I was struggling? Where were you when I was asking for prayer? Where were you when I was worshiping my way through depression? Where were you? And check this, I don't want to focus so much on the negative that I forget the positive because there are people in your life that were there for you. There were people at your house when you needed them. There were people at church that stood with you in prayer. Don't forget the folks that were there because you're so focused on the people that weren't there. People can be at a full party and be like, nobody's here because they are focused on the one person that's not there. Who showed up to the party? Nobody. It was really empty. Place was packed. Standing room only. But your focus is on the one person that didn't show. Right? Wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Our generation focuses so much on the haters that we forget the people that were there in our life to bless us. You forgot every sermon I've preached this year because of your haters. Wait, hold on. You've been sitting here receiving. Sitting right here. And all of a sudden, a couple people weren't good people to you. All of a sudden, you forget about me. I've been there for you, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make you feel bad for me. I, I'm here for you regardless, brother and sister. I'm not asking for a pity party. I'm just saying, remember who's been there for you. People forget. Have you ever had that friend? You were there for them. Oh, man, you were there. You did those 3 a.m. conversations when you had to go to work at 6. You were there. All of a sudden, they got their stuff together. You need help now. Guess who's not showing up? Yo, I told you this was going to step on toes. This is a good one, though, right? This is great. This is great because this is correction. This is correction. This is us also honing our discernment and us getting aligned to the fact that we can't always depend on people, but we can always depend on the people that God does put in our life. And if we are aligning ourselves with the will of God, let me tell you this and let me help you with this. God will always put the people in your life that need to be in your life for the season of life that you're in. Always. And if you're over here saying like, nah, I got nobody. Look around the room. We are here 
here's the thing. Beggars, there's a phrase in English. I'm not talking that you're begging. But beggars can't be choosers. You know when Oprah gave away a free car to everybody? You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. You know how crazy it would have been if the person who got the free car said, nah, I don't want this car. I want a free car, but not this one. I think that's sometimes what we do with the people in the light in, that God has put in our life. I need help, but not from them. This is a good message. Like, I need, I need, now I need me some, some deep people. Chances are that the person, if, if you're a person that's really deep into your feelings, you like being all the way down in the feelings, the people that God's going to put on your life are actually the ones that are very in touch with reality because they help bring you back up to the surface. Because if you are a very, ooh, ooh, let's sit down and process kind of person, and what you get around is people that are also equally triggered and processing, now what are you guys doing? And I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm a minister, and I'm helping you with this, is that what ends up happening is y'all throw a party for what you're processing. The moment you get around yourself a level-headed, rational, reasonable person, they will give you a perspective that you wouldn't have had if you surrounded yourself with people that think just like you. The worst thing that you can do is get counsel from people that think just like you. And what we think is, now nah, I can't relate to them. No, it's not that you can't relate to them. You need the perspective that they have because it's different than yours. Come on, I feel the Spirit speaking through this. Is that we need to surround ourselves with counsel that is different from that which we think. You got to get that perspective. And if, and if you're always like up in the clouds, like everything's a party, guess what? You may need somebody who kind of not, not cuts you down, but reminds you that life is here. Right? Balance. A lenient balance to my life. You know why? Because I am the guy that's in the deep end of the pool. Oh, my feelings. Triggered. Processing. And you know what she does? She's my life vest that brings me back up to the surface. So when you pick somebody to marry, if you pick somebody that's thinks of everything the same way you do, you're going to need extra accountability in that marriage because you're both going to need life vests. <laughs> but when you got that person who is literally the opposite, when you're up, they're, they're bringing you back down. When you're dead, my parents are the same way, right? Yeah, y'all, I'm looking at you, I'm, I'm talking about myself, but y'all are like the presidents of this club. President, vice president, secretary and treasurer. We're accepting donations. My mom feels. We feel together. Right? I'll hit on my mom and be like, today's bad. Because I know she feels just like me. And she'll be like, look at the clouds. It's prophetic of the darkness, which encapsulates the earth. <sighs> and the rain that falls and we're just there 
My dad, life vest, right back up to the surface. We need, I don't know if it has to do with color. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's color. I don't know. But, but man, it helps me out. Helps me out to have a dad that's level-headed. Helps me out to have a wife that's level-headed. I'm not saying you're not level-headed, mom. <laughs> but I'm just saying we need people like them. Because if not, we'd be, yo. How crazy would it be if you had a pastor who needed you to help me process up here? Oh, guys, it's a really rough week. I need you to help me process this. Before we get into the word, because I, you, you got you to gotta have people in your life that are helping you process before you get to your purpose. You got to get healthy before you step onto that platform. Man, this is a good word. I'm on point like 1A out of 6BDF. And um, here, here's the thing. Sanballat and Tobiah heard, and, 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 and they got disturbed real quick. Who gets disturbed when you have good news? Haters. Shout out to my haters. You know, you know what? I pay attention to, let me encourage you, pay attention to how the people in your life respond to your good news. Because they, you don't even have to do any digging. They will reveal themselves about whether they are for you or whether they are for your demise. Nine times out of ten, the people that don't celebrate your wins are the ones that are actually there to throw you a pity party when things are bad. And so check out how people respond to your good. Bought a car. Got a promotion. Got yourself a boo. I heard. Or, or, and this happened last week, right? Our friends Eli and Savannah are going, are going, are traveling next week, right? Not next month. They're going to India, y'all. Aren't they the coolest people? I know, they're just cool. I know, the rest of us, we're not part of that club. They're just cool with everything they do, right? They're going to, so I just announced your whole life to the whole church. My apologies, and to everybody that's listening to the podcast. We were here in this aisle, and, they're, and they're, we're, we're talking about them going on their trip, and then Dolly and Alex came over, and Alex tried to announce to Dolly that they were going on their trip. You should have seen Dolly's response to their trip. You would have thought Dolly was going on that trip. Like, you would have thought she's in the luggage for their trip. And... It, because that, that is friendship. That's friendship. When you can say, instead of being like, I heard. No, you didn't hear because we just literally found out. Literally, just found out. But that is beautiful. I want more of that in our church. More of that. Yo, when you get a car, guess who you're giving a ride to? All 300 of us. Come on, we got to be the kind of church that celebrates each other's win. If you bought a new coffee table, guess who's drinking coffee on that coffee table? Me and my wife. Come on, if you got yourself a new, a new house, guess who's coming over? Me, baby. Come on, if you got yourself a new lamp, guess who's going to play with that lamp all night long, turning it on and off? Because that's what we do here. We celebrate each other's win. There's no room for haters at Ambassador's Church. Can you say amen? Oh, come on. No room for that. That's stupid. 
stupid. There's no other word, there's no other spiritual word for that. It's stupid. Stop it. If somebody has a win, celebrate like it's your win. Because you know what? When I want, when I have a win, I want people to celebrate my win too. And you're like, but I got no win. I'm telling you, wins always come. And I want a church that is so radical about celebrating the wins in other people's life. We don't care how small it is, how big it is. There's no comparison of wins. Oh, you bought a this and they bought a that, so we're going to celebrate. No, no, no. A win is a win is a win. And we celebrate wins. Amen? Sambalai and Tobiah heard, all of a sudden they're disturbed. That's what Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 10 says. When Sambalai and Tobiah heard, they were disturbed. I'm like, hold on. What is this to you for you to be disturbed? But then I found out why. It's because when I read Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 10, I'm like, why is it telling us where they came from? It says, Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite. When they heard about this, they were disturbed. Those two details of where they came from are super important. Because the Horonites and the Ammonites, according to one source that I consulted, these were two people groups that God had to remove from the promised land in order for the promised land to become the nation of Israel. And so they loved the fact that Jerusalem was destroyed because it meant that the enemy could take back the land that was theirs. So all of a sudden, when Nehemiah is coming to rebuild, it means that they are now retaking the land that God had taken from them. And you see, the enemy will always be disturbed when you start taking back land that God gave you. And so they thought it belonged to them, but what's for you is for you, is for you, is for you. And the reason why the enemy is disturbed is because every time you raise up your head to start rebuilding what's been torn down you're taking back land that the enemy stole from you give God a shout of praise this morning you're taking back land you're taking back what the enemy took from you it's part of the resistance resistance is part of God's will resistance is part of God's will When things get hard, it doesn't mean that you're outside of God's plan. Very often, it means that you're in the center of God's plan. But how do we discern when we are rebelling against God, and that's why the resistance is happening, or we are in the center of God's will, and that's why the resistance is happening? Because there we need discernment. Because just because something's hard doesn't mean it's God's will. Because sometimes what you're doing is fighting against God's plan, not following God's plan. So how do we discern the difference? Check this out. Is that I think you can tell the difference between if you're following God's will or rebelling against God's will when there's resistance. Is asking what kind of resistance is it and what is happening in the middle of that resistance. If there is resistance and you see the provision of God in the middle of that resistance, you can... Rest assured that, yes, God is in it. And then I think that there's resistance where you feel God's absence. God's not in this. And I can't define for you what that feels like or looks like because that is your discernment. That is you discerning, is God in this or is God not in this? Is God providing in this or is God, God not providing for this? And I think, look, check this out. There's resistance that, yes, it's happening. It doesn't mean I'm outside of God's will. And all of a sudden, God comes through with this provision or this out-of-nowhere kind of thing. And I just see God's hand and God's favor on it. I can rest assured that that resistance is part of what it means to be following God's will for my life. 
And then there are some times that we are acting in rebellion and we don't see God's hand. We don't see God's provision. We don't feel God's presence in it. But we keep fighting because we think that this is for me. I think we need to learn the beauty of releasing that which isn't working if we don't see God's hand providing in it. Does that make sense? Because sometimes I think we just fight for the sake of fighting. But what if God's presence is not in it? What are we fighting for? But then there's a fight that we see God's hand in it. We feel supernaturally strengthened for the fight. We feel that God is providing in the middle of that resistance. We feel that we are growing in the middle of that resistance. I would say persevere in that fight. Persevere in that resistance because God's hand is on it. And maybe I can't walk you through what that looks like in your life, but that is going to be a practice of prayer, worship, reading the word, and discernment, where you'll be able to see, is God in this or is God absent from this? And if God is absent, run in the other direction as fast as you can. But if God is in it, strengthen yourself in prayer, get into the word, be consistent in God's house, stay faithful in giving, and I believe that God's hand will guide you through that resistance until you receive the promise that God has called you to. God's plan for your life is not, there is, there's always going to be resistance as part of it. There's always going to be people that are against it. There's always going to be those that think it's not a good idea. There's always going to be stuff that goes wrong. But man, when you are part of God's will and in the center of God's will, you will see his hand guiding you all the way through. You know how I know that resistance is part of God's will? The cross. We can end here, Dolly. Is, is this, the, the cross. You know, if salvation were an easy thing, the cross wouldn't have been part of the equation. It wouldn't have been. If, if saving our souls, setting us free, forgiving our sins, the purpose for which Jesus came to the earth was an easy thing, it would have just been like, Ta-da, you're saved. But the way to our, on our behalf, and, and what happens is that a lot of times we think, well, this is too hard, so I must be outside of God's will. But what if suffering is the way to finding God's will? Hard times are part of it. Suffering is part of it. But what the beauty of faith is, and I'm speaking to those that, whether you've been in a relationship with God for a long time or you feel far from God this morning, the beauty is that there is always restoration after suffering. Scripture tells me this, is that sorrow may last for a little while. And for some of you, suffering may feel like a long while. But joy comes in the morning. All of God's promises for your life will come to pass. Resistance is part of what it means to be called. That's why Jesus says, if anyone would follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The cross is the cross of suffering. It just means that we won't die on it. I need you to catch that. The cross, it's a weight that we carry, but it will not be the place of our death. Which means that we will carry the cross of suffering in this life, but we will not die because of what we go through. And you may say, well, Shane, good things happen. Bad things happen to good people and people die. 
I'm, I'm saying that your soul, your soul will always live. The enemy can try to strike you down, frustrate God's plans, but he will not prevail. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. God's will for your life will come to pass. And this morning, I want you to rise up in faith and say, God, let your will be done in me. Could you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you.